So there are people you meet in your life who make a big difference. Sometimes they appear and vanish with amazing speed. Sometimes they stick around for years and years. Sometimes they leave for a little while and then come back and it is like no time has passed at all. So one of those people for me is my dear friend and business partner, Audra Casino, who I started One Stone Creative with back in 2017. Audra is an experienced audio professional. She was a producer and on-air talent at a top Dallas radio station before pivoting into podcasts where she has designed and edited shows, curated networks, and helped companies strategically use content to meet important organizational goals. One of the things that Audra is best at and that makes the biggest difference for our clients and our company is a really strong understanding of story. So the stories that we tell ourselves, the stories we communicate to the world, and importantly, the stories that we weave into the content that we help people create. I'm Megan Doherty. This is the Business Podcast Blueprint. And today we're talking with OSC co-founder Audra Casino about the power of story. So Audra, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) (laughs) So before we get into the deep, deep story stuff, I do want to let everyone know, anyone who doesn't know our origin story, as some people call it, One Stone Creative and everything that we've done associated with it because of it, it was all entirely your fault. Can you tell the story? (laughs) Well, and we didn't even start out as a podcast production agency. We had something completely different in mind. (laughs) But, you know, for me personally, life was great. I just bought this gorgeous house in a small town, three bedroom, two bath, a dining room, and just the best yard because I want dogs. I'm, I'm a dog person. It was perfect, right? But then I had one of my main clients, it was a group of authors, and they just decided that they were going to get back to their roots and spend more time writing, which meant I didn't have a producing podcasts, which you were (laughs) doing for them. Yeah. No, I managed their network. Yeah. They had an entire podcast network. And so like, there I was, a brand new shiny house with a brand new shiny mortgage. And (laughs) I don't know if you've moved, but that eats up your savings. And being in a small town, there's just not a lot of job opportunities. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And I thought of you. And I'm like, you know what? Megan is smart. Megan is a go-getter. She knows online marketing. I am a content creation person. And so I just popped into Slack one night and I'm like, hey, you want to start a business? (laughs) It really was completely out of of nowhere. It was was great. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't even say, hey, how are you? I'm like, hey, do you want to start a business? <laughs> Happily, my response was, well, with you, yes, sure. <laughs> yeah, so that's that was it. And we didn't even start out as one so creative. We were the video doctors. <laughs> we thought that was so clever at the time. I still think it's clever. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just add a little tiny bit more backstory to that. We had worked together for the same marketing education company for several years. You know, back in 2017, we had both left that organization just to move on as careers develop and hadn't been in really close touch. So it was, it was mm-hmm. kind of a fun moment to get that message and then to kind of start the process of building a business sort of backwards. Mm-hmm. We didn't start with, okay, with here's a need in the market we can fill. It's just like, no, we're going to do a thing together. It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> we were so Let's excited. Let's go sell something. <laughs> we were so naive, so excited. I look back on that so fondly. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Okay. In a completely unrelated direction, what's your favorite movie? It has to be the one that I watched while I was in the hospital waiting for my son to be bored. Ooh. And it wasn't just one, but it was three. 
because you birth, right? And <laughs> because birth. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. And the book is even better. And I'm a book nerd. So that's just across most genres. That is the story that I love. So when you say the three movies, did you watch, was it like a trilogy length birth? Well, I was in and out because epidural. (laughs) Better living through modern pharmacology, right? Yeah, no, it was a great room. It was gorgeous. Nice, you know, looked like a bedroom and the TV swung out and I was kind of in and out. You know, I remember Rohan's charge down the mountain. And then, oh my gosh, that part. Anyway, yeah. So I didn't watch the entire trilogy because things started happening, but it was almost the whole thing. I love that. I love that. I mean, they're fantastic movies. But also, it's not just a movie, right? It's never just a movie. So it's not just the things that we like. It's the (laughs) stories and how they fit into our lives that makes them even more meaningful. Yeah, definitely. I'd love if you could speak to that a little bit. You know, what is it about story that's so impactful? And why do even, you know, we have stories about our stories about our stories. (laughs) How does that happen? Megan, would you like some salt first? Do you want some salt? Some salt? Sure. I'll take some salt. (laughs) here's me being salty okay about story okay as a term as a term so the term story I've noticed in the past several years has just been horribly abused it's just been bastardized you know it's like story this story that and you know everybody knows that story is important you know and that's great because it is but they just don't get how to tell a good story they fill in the blanks I don't know if you've ever been to one of those webinars where you can pretty much predict what they're going to say. It's like, oh oh my gosh, I was at my lowest. Things couldn't get lower. They were so bad. And then I discovered a secret. I cracked the code. And now I'm so rich and happy and blah, blah, blah. And that's not a story. That's not even a good blurb. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me how you really feel about it. Well, I mean, story, it's not a fill in the blank thing. A good story has heart. Okay. So that's my salt. That's me being salty. People abuse the term story. And so when I say story, when I refer to it, that's just not at all what I'm talking about. You're right. It is a really overused and really, really popular buzzword at the moment. And it's hanging out there with authenticity and purpose and, yeah, you know, all these other words that, you know, have actual real important meanings, but are mostly just used to separate fools for money. Uh-huh. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. But back to your question, why, why is it important? So everything you've heard is true. We are wired for story. Like that's how our brains function. You have the setup, you have complication, and then you have the payoff. I mean, why do you think cliffhangers are so effective? Everybody uses a cliffhanger because we are curious creatures who were just driven to know what happens next, what happens next. And the reason I think is... When we experience a story, we do it through the protagonist, through the main character, right? We put ourselves in their shoes. We live the story in our own heads. We feel those emotions. You know, story makes us feel. And we need to close that loop with the payoff, you know, what happens at the cliffhanger. You know, you're having a a great week and everything's going really well. On an individual level, everyone's had that feeling of, Something terrible is about to happen. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Everything's great. The other shoe's about to drop. It's about to get awful because that, that's what would happen in any good narrative. 
we're all the hero of our own story. Yeah. <laughs> we expect conflict, right? <laughs> well, that's true. It's life. It's life. Except, you know, stories we have a little bit of control over, which that's why I enjoy writing because I like to write the narrative. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as opposed to the whole webinar fill in the blank story, the important thing to remember is if you can create a story that makes someone feel something, then you've most likely created a really great story. What would you say to someone who, and I mean, we've had this conversation because I'm a fairly literal minded person. <laughs> you don't say. You don't say. <laughs> So there are people, a lot of creators, especially on business and B2B, people who aren't marketing content creators who don't maybe understand this at a gut level. They're just like, I don't have time for this nonsense. Yeah, I don't want to just tell me what the thing is, where I can get it, how much it's going to cost. As a person like that, or maybe as someone who works with or for a person like that, how do you communicate that it's worthwhile to invest in telling stories as a company or even, you know, within a company? You know what? It's truly something you have to make time for. It's not just for podcasts. And that's why it's such a broad, broad skill that you can apply to almost every aspect of your life. You know, it's for speaking on stage. It's for network. It's for building relationships, personal relationships. It's for creating brand relationships with customers. You know, story is how we communicate. It's kind of how you meet your clients and customers where they are. But I get it. You know, some people just aren't really natural storytellers. And sometimes you're just really, really busy, but it's absolutely worth it to tell stories. I totally get that when it comes to, you know, if you're doing anything in terms of, you know, like think of podcasts, you know, your true crime biography, even history. But what about in a more B2B specific situation? You know, how does story or a narrative come into play with, you know, if you've got a finance podcast or HR, how does that happen? Well, I mean, just because you have a product or a service to sell, that doesn't mean you or your customers somehow stop being human. <laughs> like you're still human, you're emotional, right? Like it or not. So, you know, a good example, let's talk about that finance company. You can tell a person on a podcast, number one, be thrifty. Number two, don't take risky business ventures. Number three, create a budget. And that's all great information. Or you can tell the story of, let's say, Todd, who inherited a windfall from his eccentric uncle. <laughs> okay. And then he proceeded to blow the entire fortune to put himself deep in debt. And you go through what he did. And, you know, it's a cautionary tale. That's why we teach in fables and stories. It's a cautionary tale that sticks with you far longer than a list of do's or don'ts because you're given context. You live that experience through Todd's eyes and you put yourself in that picture and you're like, oh my gosh, this is actually really serious. I could lose everything. So it's how you connect with your listeners. It's how you teach your viewers or you know whatever it is you're doing. It's marketing 101. <laughs> you need to get inside their heads and you do that through story. Okay, fair enough. So do you have any tips or strategies for you know, podcast hosts, you know, maybe in, in industries where there aren't natural or obvious stories? How does someone get into the habit of doing that when they're, say, having, having interviews? 
Yeah. So one of the things that I tell clients to do is to build a mental library of stories. So you can look at your own life to do this. Look at the turning points, the powerful moments in your life. And just to start, and yeah, this is upfront time that you need to invest, but these stories can work in everywhere. So just write them out. Just write down your experience in your life and then clean it up a little bit to make it a good, compelling, tight story and commit it to memory. And you can do the same with hypothetical situations, right? This is kind of like a work of fiction, but you know, you don't present it as real, obviously, because that would be lying. But these hypothetical situations or even case studies with pertinent details removed just build up a mental library of stories, anecdotes, and hypothetical situations. And they will come out naturally when you're doing podcasts, when you're being interviewed, when you're on stage, when you're talking to people, when you're networking. That's just one of the best exercises that you can do. And always be updating and evolving that mental library because new things are happening to you. There's new problems that you can address. Just keep it updated. That's really good. And I think that that's particularly effective, you know, if you are in a position where you're going to be on the spot and you've got to make sure that you're providing content or, you know, having a conversation that is interesting. What if you're leading the conversation and you're interviewing or, or having a conversation with someone who hasn't listened to this episode? and therefore does not have a list of polished anecdotes at their disposal. <laughs> How can you lead someone into providing really interesting stories? And this is some of my favorite, favorite coaching to do when I work with clients because interviews are just, it's a wild card. You can't control what your guest says. So one of the things you can do is insert your own little narratives, but you know, short and sweet because it's a, not about you, right? It's about your guest. But more important, is the type of questions that you ask because your goal is to get your guests to speak in story rather than lists and facts. So one question I tell a lot of our hosts to use is, tell me about the moment when, and then you should focus in on like a turning point in the guest's life. You know, for example, tell me about the moment when you thought you were going to lose your house. That's scary. That's conflict. That's drama. That is the heart of story. And another thing to do is listen to your guests as they speak. And whenever you get that sense that there's more to the story, don't let them gloss over it. Stop and ask them that deeper story. And one of the newer techniques that I've been adding is to add another person into the mix. And so, for example, if they don't have a lot to say about a question or if you can't really get a story, that's personal in nature out of them, you can ask about someone in their life close to them. What did your mentor do? What did your spouse say? What did your business partner think about that? Because whenever you ask about someone they care about, you can kind of hear the passion coming through. They become more animated. And again, this comes back to the fact that we are emotional creatures. But at the end of the day, what you're looking for when you're interviewing is, is conflict. Drama. You want the drama. You want the tea. And you definitely want to get them to spill it. Oh, yeah. And so <laughs> a good way to know if you're going deep enough into your guest story is if you start to feel a little bit uncomfortable about the questions you're asking. Like, is it too personal? Probably. But yeah, it should definitely be it should be too rude for like a cocktail party. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> 
Absolutely. And I should have mentioned this first, but don't be afraid to pause the interview and let the guests know what you're looking for. You know, tell me a story. And do that before you ever even sit down to interview them. Just give them an idea of what kind of interview that you're conducting here. And also just let them know so they can speak freely and comfortably that if they don't want to answer a question, they don't have to. And if they say something that they're uncomfortable with, that they don't want shared, that they just need to let you know and you'll edit it out. I think that that's such a nice thing. Well, I message that's being courteous. Yeah. That's yeah. being a good host. Definitely. In the truest meaning of the term host to the person with you. Okay. So I'm going to take on board here a little bit of what I have just learned. Could you tell me about the moment you knew that we as a company needed to be focusing more on video and why that was? I knew from the start. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let me dig down for a little. Was there anyone who was some kind of naysayer? (laughs) There's this wonderful person that I know. She is just the best person in the world. I adore her. And she also didn't realize how important video was going to become. But let me tell you why. And this is why I didn't push back on it very much. It's because all of the clients we were getting were podcast clients. Like literally, we were making money from podcast. (laughs) She's like, maybe we should be a podcast company. And I'm like, well, that's where the money's coming from. (laughs) So (laughs) there's that. I love my naysayer, though. <laughs> if anyone hasn't picked up on it, the naysayer was I. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool, though. <laughs> and now everyone is slightly uncomfortable, but also being very honest. So this is great. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, we're still in business today and we're doing great and definitely. we're helping people. So I feel really good about the decision we made. <laughs> and I mean... We've definitely circled back around the idea of yeah. video and video is, it's going to be a big part of this year and probably even a bigger part of future years. Absolutely. Yeah. So ultimately, I'm going to tell you the most beautiful words that I think might be in the English language is you were right. <laughs> Give me just a minute. <laughs> Let me celebrate this moment. <laughs> I love those words. Thank They're you. Such great words. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> oh gosh that's funny yeah okay so well let's let's talk about video a little bit more and you know it has been abundantly proven in various ways you know video has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and we even see when we do you know the state of business podcasting report you know the best most popular podcasts are you know aggressively using youtube in a variety of different ways it's a video platform yep so What's the biggest difference, you know, from your perspective, your, you know, your highly educated perspective (laughs) between audio and video? Like what makes these multimedia platforms really different Uh, from each other? This is one of those where I could just ramble on for ages about all the little intricacies. Which we would all happily listen to, by the way. I hope you do that (laughs) at some point. (laughs) If not today, then someday that would be great. Yeah. Uh, Well, on the surface, simply how it's consumed, (laughs) like, you know, how you present the content and it's a different type of, and I'm going to the connection part here with your audience or your viewer. 
it's a different type of intimacy because, you know, with audio, it's a voice in your head. It's like an inner monologue. But with video, it's like you're chatting with a friend, like you have a face to focus on to look at. And so obviously you structure things a little bit different for audio and video, ideally. And the other big difference, and this is just me being so, so brief and skipping so, so much that could be said here. But a lot of times podcast listeners are doing something else while they listen. And video viewers are usually like more engaged and usually not doing other things. And there's exceptions to every rule. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to say without going on an hour long rant. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. We're fair to say that, I mean, you know, looking at it from the perspective of, you know, we're content creators, we're content creation agency. Podcasts are a really good pull media. Listeners pull in a podcast episode when it works for them and in their lives when they want to consume it. And to a degree, video watchers do as well, but they have to be watching. Their eyes have to be on it in order to, you know, get the full experience of it. And they're going to be in a place where they can press a button or do a next thing of some Mm -hmm. kind. Whereas, you know, a podcast listener might be driving a car and should very much not be doing anything other than listening and driving. Absolutely. You know, and that's one of the key differences. But of course, with that richness in video, you know, you get a lot more. You get that feeling of closeness in a really different way. And you get that higher conversions. (laughs) Those are magic words, right? Magic words, higher (laughs) conversions. Let me counter that spell with videos expensive. (laughs) It can be. It can be. It totally can be. What are some ways that people, so maybe someone's podcasting now and they're like, okay, I'm convinced we should be doing video of some kind. What are some good ways to work it in without totally breaking the bank, especially as the waters are being tested? Well, I think the simplest thing is just to use some sort of software like Zencaster that records both audio and video and Zoom as well. Zoom does that. And just go with that. Put the audio on whatever your podcast host is and get the video cleaned up a little bit and put it on YouTube or wherever else you would like to have it. That's the second simplest way. The first simplest way is just to have the audio with like a still image for video. Well, the quick and dirty way is to take the audio and get like a still image and then mix those together. And you have a very simple video that you can put, you know, right there on YouTube and you can get captions for it. So, you know, accessibility is is taken care of. And there are several other ways and there's just too much detail to go into right now. What if I say, just use what you have to start with? Like if you've got a webcam, if you've got iPhone camera, which smart cameras are getting really, really good these days, you can create supporting content for your podcast, like little promos or even, and maybe you should do this, is to put those little promos on other social media places you know, whichever channels yours are, make a video to fit that format, to fit that platform. And then you get rich multimedia engagement that all points back to your podcast. And, you know, if you want, you can put your podcast on YouTube. There are several ways to execute that. And yeah, I mean, just use what you have to start with. Certainly get some practice in to see if it's something you can maintain. And if it does, then you can invest a bit more which yes, video is expensive, but it is also super effective. It's a great way to connect with your audience. No, I love that. And I think especially that idea about creating supporting content around Mm -hmm. your podcast, because then, you know, you don't have to also think of a whole new set of topics 
to get into for this other stream of content that you're creating. It can really be focused around your main podcast, but you are getting that multimedia. And as you say, getting your podcast onto YouTube should probably happen by some mechanism. Yes. Uh, You know, I think I said it doesn't need to be any more complicated than, you know, making an MP4 version of of the file. Yeah. You taught me this. People use YouTube to listen to podcasts. Oh, I used to get so angry when someone would even suggest that. I know, me too. We were such purists back in the day. Oh my gosh. I was such a snob. And then here I am. I'm like a YouTube nut and I love multitasking with a video going in the background. And I love the scary stories, you know, or different types of short stories that I listen to on YouTube and science channels. And I'm just learning and I don't have to look at the video because it's mostly audio. And I have just come to love that because it is just so easy to use. I can just type in a search term and look at all the different things that are available to me. So I'm no longer a purist. (laughs) Podcast discovery. It's like, it's still dogging the industry. There's not a good podcast search engine. It doesn't exist. Right. But YouTube's a really good search engine. It's Google. That's (laughs) what it is. It's Google. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. All right. So, I mean, in terms of multimedia, often people are going to start with audio because there's a lower barrier to entry creating audio. And that's both, you know, from the host perspective, from the editing and production cost perspective and convincing guests to join you. It is different to get someone to agree to be on an audio only show than to, you know, have to put on makeup and do their hair and, (laughs) you know, look good while they're talking. Yeah, yeah. Which is a whole thing. It is. But so let's say that someone is ready to, you know, either expand from just a podcast into YouTube or who wants to start setting out doing both at the same time in a bid for some shameless (laughs) self-promotion. How can you help them do that, Audra? Oh, gosh. From inception to performance to execution to uploading to strategy to how to make a thumbnail <laughs> right you know on youtube there's really not any part of it that i haven't touched and that i haven't done and it comes with the same strategic thinking that you would use to construct a great podcast episode you know you use that same school of thought to construct a great video you know from episode to episode and just overarching you know, show. And it's just something that I love. Performance is what I love teaching. You know, I've got my three C's framework, performance, show structure, and I even do creative editing. Um, My space on that's pretty limited. (laughs) So, you know, if you're interested, let me know. It's really cool, everybody. (laughs) Okay. So do you have any examples? Just kind of wrapping up the whole conversation. So, you know, really good audio that involves good narrative that communicates an important message for a person or a brand. Same with video. Are there a couple of podcasts or YouTube channels that people should check out and what should they look for when they do? Well, okay. Everyone's heard of this podcast. It came out about two years, three years after I started producing podcasts. And it's always going to hold like a super special place in my heart. And that is called, go ahead, No, it's not that one. It's not that one? (laughs) No, I can see Megan and I are looking at each other on video and she's mouthing what it is. And I'm like, nope, but that is a fantastic one. I'm going to steal that for my second one. No, Serial. Oh, of course. Of course. Yes. Yes. Serial is a fantastic journalistic podcast where there are amazing characters, real people, don't get me wrong, but just the way it's done is brilliant. 
And, you know, as you said, lore, that's the other other podcast. It's a great example of just a solo type of content creation. So, you know, just about anything that NPR does, like they are absolute masters of it. Laura is always my go-to example for a really good pivot to ad break. Yeah. Because he does this right towards the end of the episode. It's like, oh, and there's this other even more amazing thing that's going to wrap up answers to your final questions about this fantastical story. I've just told you, <laughs> you'll get to hear about it in about three minutes after some ads. I'm like, well, yes. I guess I'm listening to those ads, aren't I, Erin? Thank you. <laughs> Every time. See, well, and that's it. That's... <laughs> That goes back to constructing a strong episode and the cliffhangers that we talked about in the very beginning. That all comes back to story. So yeah, NPR podcasts and Mm -hmm. YouTube channels, it's a little bit harder Mm -hmm. because the best advice I can give if you're looking to watch YouTube is to watch what you love. There are so many weird niches. (laughs) It's like crazy. (laughs) Are you trying to get people to rule 34 this after? Oh my gosh. I think that would probably get taken down because <laughs> YouTube's not that kind of platform. <laughs> but anyway, no, but I mean, first of all, watch what you love and you'll know if it's good. You'll know because you'll keep watching it and you'll watch the next video and the next video. And for people who are looking at starting their own YouTube channels, look at what your peers are doing. People who are quote unquote competition. Let them inspire you. See which videos of theirs get the most engagement and puzzle out why. Why is that getting engagement? What are they doing that is really succeeding? How can I take this and do it in my own way? You know, not copying, but being inspired by. And then eventually, how can I partner with that person to increase my audience? Love that. Yeah. Internet is a huge place. There's room for everybody whether you're doing a podcast, whether you're doing video. It's just a matter of getting on there and doing it, building that audience. Oh, yeah. And I mean, crushing the competition is so 80s. (laughs) We're past that. (laughs) We really are. (laughs) Well, and you'll find that YouTube is actually a relatively friendly space. Kind of like... Unless you're a woman who plays video games. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, what I mean is, and maybe friendly is the wrong place. There's a lot of partnerships that happen there, cross promotion of channels. You know, it's the same as if you're a podcast host and you go on somebody else's podcast to get access to their audience, right? That happens on YouTube too. So yeah, there's just so much you can do. I think maybe a good distinction is the creator side of things is often quite different from the commentary side of things. Yep. And creators tend to be friendly. <laughs> yes. Yes, they do. <laughs> Perfect. Audra, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me today. Me. This has been really, really fun. I've really appreciated. This is a different context than we usually speak in. It's been kind of fun. It is. I don't get to ramble endlessly. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how much she puts up with. I could just go on and on and on. I don't have to hide it. Audra, I would listen to you read a phone book. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So... Up next, next week's episode. (laughs) Perfect. If you would like to learn more about Audra, you have to stay tuned for a couple of weeks because in not too long at all, she's going to be launching the One Stone Creative YouTube channel. Yes, I am. So that is coming right up. We can be reached through any of the contact forms on 
literally any page of onestonecreative.net. So don't hesitate to reach out if you would like to learn about video, learn about audio podcasts, come on this podcast, Mm -hmm. just reach out. We'd be happy to talk to you. Sounds great. So the Business Podcast Blueprint is created by the whole team at One Stone Creative. It is written and hosted by me, Megan Doherty, in collaboration with co-founder Audra Casino. The show is edited by Erwin Galino and Jensen Galino, managed by Darla Fields, and the notes and assets are created by Hazel Ann LaFortune. Find out how you can start or hand off a company podcast at onestonecreative.net. That's O-N-E, stonecreative.net.